Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, what is up, Generations Church? Welcome to May, right? It's crazy that it's already May in 2020, and uh, we're still not together in person, but hopefully that's going to happen pretty soon. But I'm thankful for this that provides us the opportunity to gather together. And so thanks to those of you who are, who are watching today live, whether it's on Facebook or it's on YouTube, or you're watching on our website at g.church, wh- wherever it is that you're participating, you're watching the service today, we just want to say thank you. We want to say thanks for tuning in. Uh, hopefully you've shared this and you've invited people to come and to watch with you. You know, the difference in uh, when we're meeting together in person is that, you know, somebody's got to get in their car or they got to get in your car and they got to come to a physical location. But I'm thankful for tech technology that's allowing us to come together digitally. And so whether you're in your living room or you're at work today, for those that are already back to work in some, some form, or maybe you're driving down the road, you're going somewhere, uh, hopefully you've got the phone kind of stowed away somewhere. But uh, we're just glad that you're a part of what uh, God's doing here at Generations Church during this season. You know, it has been an exciting season, even though we're not gathered together in person. Ministry's still taking place in a variety of different ways. Uh, yesterday, our family ministries pastor, Pastor Casey, uh, was able to participate in, in really a national event for youth pastors and, and youth leaders around the country. Uh, for, it's called NILA, National Youth Leaders Association, and he was able to participate in that. Uh, and last count that I heard, somewhere between 13,000 and 15,000 people were able to participate in that experience yesterday, and he was able to share and share some of the things that God's doing here and God's doing in him. And so we're excited, we're proud of him, and thankful that he was able to invest in other uh, youth pastors and ministers. Uh, and then when I think about all that's taking place around our church, uh, I also recognize that we have together done an incredible thing. In April, we set a goal to try to raise over 4,000 pounds of food to serve Must Ministries. Must Ministries is a local organization. If you're not from this area locally, uh, it's an organization that feeds those who are less fortunate, provides food. It also provides job training and a bunch of different things. But their food pantry has been in short supply over the last few weeks. And so we set a goal as a church in April uh, to help to restock them or really just to keep providing them food as they gave it out. Just about as quickly as we could get it to them, they were giving it out. And so we set a goal for 4,000 pounds, two tons of food for our church. And some of you came on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We were collecting here Locally. Some of you, you went through your neighborhood this last week and you collected food from neighbors. They put it out on the porch or they put it out by the mailbox. You gathered those together, brought those to the church. Some of you weren't able to come and to, and to be here to give those kinds of donations. So you gave financially through our Legacy Makers Fund. And, and when you did, together, we came together and we raised over 4,000 pounds of food. The last count that I heard was 4,075 pounds of food. So hey, give yourself a hand for that. You did awesome. And I'm thankful for you and your generous heart to be able to to give in that way and to meet needs in that way. And so I'm thankful for that. Uh, Next week, we we have Mother's Day. And while we will not be gathered together in person, I'm excited about Mother's Day uh, because my wife, Corey, is going to be speaking. uh, And I've already heard part of the message, and it's awesome. And I think it's really going to speak to moms. It's going to speak to dads. It's going to speak to grandparents and kids and empty nesters. And and wherever you find yourself, uh, I believe it's going to speak to you right where you're at next Sunday. So moms, I would encourage you, maybe, maybe you tell your family what you're looking for for Mother's Day, but maybe you just ask them, hey, one of the gifts that I'd like is for us to gather together and to watch the service and to participate in the service at Generations Church uh, at 9.15 or 11 o'clock next Sunday morning. Today, I'm excited because we are continuing and really concluding this week the series that we started a few weeks ago called Jesus Didn't Say That. 
And over the last couple of weeks, what we've done is we've looked at a few different things that people would say in times like this, uh, when, when things are not always great, they're looking for ways to feel better or to help others to feel better. And so they say a lot of different things. And so we talked about the first week where people might say that, you know, God just wants you to be happy. And we looked at some scriptures that said, well, God does want us to be happy and to experience happiness and joy. But God is not ultimately concerned with our happiness. We said that God is more concerned with our holiness than he is our happiness. Last week, we talked about the idea when people say to us, you know, God won't put more on you or God won't allow more than you can handle. We think that we know what they mean. And even if we've said it ourselves, we're, we're drawing from a place in scripture that's really talking about temptation and not pressure or stress when he says that God will provide a way out for you. He's faithful to you. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But what we said last week is that while God may allow more than you can handle, God won't put more on you than he can handle. We believe that God is able to be enough for whatever we have need of. And so today I want to look at a concluding thought. There's a lot of other things we could look to, a lot of other sayings and phrases and really kind of Proverbs and fortune cookie type sayings that people attribute to Jesus or to Scripture. But today I want to look at this idea that maybe you've heard it, maybe you've said it, the idea that God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. And when I think about that, I got to be honest, I want that to be true. Like if I'm just being transparent with you today, I would love for that to be a true statement from scripture. I wish I could find chapter and verse where Jesus said that or where a a prophet in the Old Testament said it so that I could, I could stake my claim on it and say, well, as long as I'm working, as long as I'm helping myself, I mean, scripture talks in a lot of different places about not wanting to be lazy and being hard worker and, and really seeing value in our work and worship in our work. And so like, I want to be the kind of person that's working hard and helping myself and doing what I can. But as I think about what Scripture actually says, I recognize that nowhere in the Bible does it say that God helps those who help themselves. If it did, what it would create for us is a magic formula. It would turn God into our magic genie that if we did the right things to help ourselves, then we would, uh, God would owe us so that he would have to help us because we've then helped ourselves and we've done the right steps and the right things. And and I don't see that. I, I actually see this attribute in God where he loves us and he, he has already done, he's completed so, uh, so many things for us on the cross and through Jesus Christ. And I see all of these things that are taking place around us in, in the fallenness of the world, but I see that God's hand is over our lives and his protection is there for us and God has done that work. But I do believe that when I think about scripture and I think about what it is that we're called to, there are some places that address these types of things that God does to help us And one of those is found in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. It says this, it says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says it this way, God is not unjust. He will not forget our work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. When I look at these passages of Scripture and others that we're going to look at today, it occurs to me that perhaps God doesn't help those who help themselves as much as God may help those who actually help others, who are refreshing others. God helps us to help others, perhaps. I think that might be a greater reality and a greater truth for all of us is that we, we turn our focus off of ourselves, which that's difficult to do. And this, I mean, so many times, especially in seasons like this, we look around and we see all that's happening. And so we start to focus 
on ourselves. We start to think about how this is affecting us. And, and there are so many people who are walking through some things. I mean, they've lost a job or there's still a threat of job loss. They've seen their 401k take a dive in different ways. They, they've seen friends or family or loved ones to get sick, maybe from the pandemic or maybe from something else. And so there's a fear and an uncertainty there. Maybe, maybe they've watched the news and they see all of the things that are taking place around the world and they see the reports. Or maybe they're watching social media and they see all the opinions that are out there, right? I mean, everybody's got an opinion. I did not know that I had so many friends who were uh, global health experts. I had no clue until I look at my social media feeds and I see all these people who have all these opinions and they're, and they're all entitled to their opinion. But as I think about all of these things, I recognize that so often I become focused on me. But I think what God is calling us to do is to take our eyes off of ourselves, put our eyes on him, and when we do, we actually see that his heart is for all people. And that allows for us to see others and the needs of others. So I want to get really practical today as we conclude this series. And I want to look at four things, and I don't do this often, but four things that kind of spell out the word help that would help us to be able to help others. For us to be able to look to others and to see the needs of others and how we can help other people. The first of those is just the word hands. It's just the word hands. And when I think about that word, it implies a lot of things. I think about Jerry Rice. He was a wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. And man, he had some of the best hands I had ever seen and still have ever seen in my entire life. My kids would probably say Odell Beckham Jr. because he has great hands. He's a wide receiver. I think about catchers in Major League Baseball and the ability for them to frame pitches. And they have such great hand-eye coordination. And so I see that they have great skill. And so maybe you say, well, I'm not, a, I'm not an all-pro wide receiver. I'm not an all-star catcher. I don't know that I have the hands that you're describing, but this is not necessarily about the hands that you have, but what you possess in your hands. There's an incredible story in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. I've actually talked about it a couple of different times in different contexts, but it's the story of Moses, and, 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 and for me, it's, it's a story that it, it means a lot to me because as I was really beginning to flesh out my relationship with God when I was in college, and I had, I had grown up in a Christian home, and I had lived for God even through my youth group days and my teenage years, and, and I, you know, I never really ran away from God as much as I ran away from some callings that God had on my life. But as I really began to focus my heart and my life on God again at a season that I was in in college, I, I began to read the Old Testament stories, and Moses' story uh, was one that really gripped my heart. And so Moses is a guy who from birth was, was really challenged, right? I mean, when he was being born and, and obviously had just been born, there was a decree that, that he and other, other babies, male babies his age were to be put to death. And so his mom saved him and he ends up being taken to Pharaoh's palace and he's raised there in Pharaoh's house. And this powerful testimony of the, of the salvation that was available to him because God had a special plan for his life. He was the one that would set his people free from the bondage and captivity that they found themselves in. And so one day after he's grown up, he, he goes out and he's walking and he sees one of his Hebrew brothers being attacked. And so he goes and, and he intervenes and he actually kills a guy and he thinks maybe he's providing the protection. And, and then as he sees this take place, he, he's like, okay, now I've maybe done my duty. I'm, I'm not sure. And the next day as he's taking a walk, somebody says, you're going to kill me like you killed the guy yesterday, even though he thought no one had seen. And so now he goes on the run. He takes off. And he finds himself out in the wilderness, and he's eventually tending his father-in-law's sheep out in the wilderness. And as he's doing this day after day after day, you have to believe that it was mundane. You have to believe that it was boring. And one day as he's walking in the wilderness, Scripture tells us that there was a bush that catches on fire, and that bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. 
And I love this story. And again, I, I shared it in different ways a couple of different times. But I, I just love it because I would think that if that happened, it would absolutely grab my attention. In present context, that would be like me walking down the road right now and an ATM machine just bursts into flames and starts talking to me. Because this bush begins to speak to Moses. It says, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. There's a personal interaction. This is the voice of God speaking out of this bush to Moses and really calling him to now go and fulfill the call that was on his life to go and set God's people free from captivity. And every single time that God would give him a command, Moses would give him an excuse. I can't go because I have this stuttering problem. You want me to go and speak to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at this time, and I can't do it because I have this stuttering problem. I have this speech issue, and I get nervous, and I don't think that I can. And God provided a way for him to be able to overcome that. And he says, well, okay, but what if I get there and they don't believe me? What if they ask me who sent me? And, and God, again, gives him a rebuttal to every excuse that he would provide. And finally, in Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 2, we read this part of the story of the interaction between God and Moses. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it which is what I would do. That's why I identify with Moses so much here. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And I would say, no, God, I don't think that you're speaking clearly now. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. When I read this, I recognize there's a lot of different ways that you could read this passage of scripture and a lot of different things that you could infer from it. But I think if we're going to help other people, we can see some amazing truth here. Moses held in his hand a staff. It was something that was natural to him. It was something that any shepherd in that day would have possessed. It might have looked like a walking stick. It might have had a crook at the top. Whatever it looked like for you, in your mind, it was something that would have been natural. It would have been normal to Moses. And so God says, I want to take what's natural in your hands. I want to take what you're holding that you possess that you don't think a lot about, and I want you to throw it down on the ground. And so when Moses released the natural, God made it supernatural. He turned that staff into a snake. He did something with what Moses had been holding in his hand the entire time. Now, when God asked him to pick that snake up by the tail, again, I jokingly said I would, I would say no, God. But Moses did. He reaches down and grabs it. And as soon as he takes it back into his hand, it becomes natural again. I think for so many of us, if we're not careful, we overcomplicate our ability to help other people. Because we look around and we don't think that we have the ability to meet the needs of those who are around us. We just think, well, I just have who I am. I just have my personality. I just have my gifts. And we begin to compare it to other people. And we say, well, you know, other people are more talented than I am. Other people have a better personality. Other people are extroverted and I'm introverted. Other people do this and, and do that and I can't do those things. Because what we possess seems natural to us. We're just holding it in our hand. You might look around and say, well, I, I, I'm, just a, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Like, what do I have in my hand? I just, I just help my kids during the day, or I just cook at night, or it just seems natural to me. But if we release that to God, what could God do with that natural to make it supernatural to meet the needs of other people? You just say, no, no, I mean, I just, I'm just outgoing. I just, I just love people, but that's just the way I've always been. I mean, everybody's probably like that in some way, but but it's not. It seems natural to you, but it's not so natural when we release that to God and allow God to use that gift, to allow God to use that personality that he gave to you for the sake of other people. He takes what seems natural to you and he makes it 
supernatural. You say, well, everybody can sing. I mean, maybe they're not as comfortable singing as I am, but, you know, everybody probably sings in the shower. And, and so it's just, it's just singing. It's just, I've just done it my whole life. It's just natural to me. But no, 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 if I release that to God, what could God do in the supernatural with this natural gift that I have? When we hold it ourselves, when we hold on to it, it's just natural. But when we release it, I believe God can turn it into the supernatural. If we want to help other people, we just need to look to our hands. We need to look to see what God has entrusted to us. What are those natural things every single day that we have possession of that God could use to meet the needs of other people? So it brings up an obvious question for all of us today, and it goes like this. What will you do with what you have in your hands? What will you do with what you have in your hands? If we're going to help other people, the second is a lot like the first. It's not just about our hands, but it's also about our experiences. It's about our experiences, not just about our skills, it's also about our story. I want you to look at this. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says this. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. I want you to think about this today. What have you experienced in your life that other people could benefit from? What have you walked through and come out on the other side that someone else in your life is about to walk into? And God may be asking you today to share those experiences I mean, you may need to hop into that digital lobby today. As soon as our service is over, you're going to see the link in the comments and just jump in there to see if that might be the open door that God uses for you to connect to someone, to begin to share your story. This is the first Sunday of the month, and so this coming Tuesday night is week one of Discovery Track. It's week one. We do this in in conjunction with each of the the weeks of the month and our Sundays. And so Tuesday night at 8 o'clock is week one of Discovery Check. You can go to our events page. You can register, and you'll get a Zoom link. You can jump in there. You're going to hear about our church in week one. You're going to hear about opportunities for you to connect and discover your purpose and learn how you can be a part of it. But I believe that some of you have experienced some things that God desires you to use for the sake of other people. God has comforted you. God has brought you through some stuff that other people are about to walk into. And so when I think about our church, I recognize that some of you right now, you could be the absolute perfect person to serve in Generation Youth. That's our ministry to middle and high school students. You go, well, I don't know if I even like middle school students, right? But you could be the absolute best person to serve in that ministry because you could be a small group leader to a group of 15-year-olds and help them to avoid some of the mistakes the 15-year-old you made. You have some experiences, you have some stories, and you can help them to navigate this tumultuous season in their life because God brought you through some stuff, and now you have the ability to give back to them. You could be the absolute best person to serve in our G-Kids ministry. When we open back up and we create different environments, and you walk into one of those environments, you go, I I don't know, man, I I, I don't really love kids, or I've got my own kids. This is like my my one hour during the week where I don't have to be with my own kids for a little while. It seems like a break. But what if, what if God wants to use the experiences that you had, and maybe this is not your story, but what if you are that person who when you were a child, you didn't have any adult in your life who invested in you and taught you about the love of God There are kids just like that in the ministries of our church. And you could be the absolute best person 
to share your experiences in really tangible ways and invest in those children, equip the next generation, and help us to make a difference as we partner with parents to be the primary disciplers of their kids. And just by way of that, if you're like, I don't even know what kids' ministry looks like, you can tune in today. You go to our G Kids Facebook page at 1030 on Sundays. We stream a Facebook, a Facebook Live, a service there for our kids and families. And so we'd love if you have kids to participate in that. But if you're trying to figure out what kids' ministry looks like, just hop onto that live stream and see what kids' ministry could look like. God could be using you and your experiences. You might know what it feels like to walk into a church and be lonely and not know anyone and not even sure if this is the right place for you. What if God could use that experience to put you on the front line of the guest services team so that you could greet people that are walking in, some of them for the first time and some of them for the very last time. They've given God one more day to see if he can break through and you could be the way that God breaks through into their heart and into their life. There's so many other ways, but what if God could use your experiences to make a difference in the lives of of people, which leads us to the third way that you can help. You just have to look. You just have to look. I've already said this, but I think we tend to overcomplicate it so often. We just need to look around us. Look at this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So often we don't help because we realize we can't help everyone. We, we don't want to even kind of wade into all of the needs because we recognize that we are incapable of meeting all the needs in the world. And so because we're incapable of meeting all the needs in the world, we tend to shut down and neglect the needs that we could meet right in front of us. But God desires for us to help other people. We just need to open our eyes and to look. If there are people that are asking If you identify a need and they haven't even asked yet, you say, God, is this someone that I can help? Is this someone that I can provide for? Is this someone that I can offer and lend a hand? I have something in my hands that I can tangibly do to meet this need, or I have some experiences that perhaps I could share to meet a need. I just have to open my eyes and look. Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Church here in the greater Atlanta area, he says this. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by all the needs that exist around you and you're not really sure where to even start. I would say to you, just start with one. Just find a need and meet it. Just look across the fence at your neighbor. Just sit out on your front porch for a few minutes and pray and ask God to open your eyes to the things that break his heart and ask God to break your heart as well and see these people that may be walking on the sidewalk in front of your house. Maybe there's someone that lives across the street or they live next door. Maybe as you begin to get out or maybe as you go back to work for those that have been out of work or maybe as you've continued to go to work, you would see people in need that are right in front of you. All you have to do is look. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Here's the last thought of today. If we're going to help other people, obviously we can look to our hands. We can look to our experiences. We can just look and see the need. But I also believe there's something powerful about provision. There's something powerful about provision. Provision is just what God has provided to us, what God has actually entrusted into our hands, what God has given to us, maybe for the sake of other people. Sometimes what we need to do to help meet the needs of others is our ability to do it. We can, we can meet that need. We can go and, and hammer the nail. We can go and, and help them in the project. We can go and give them a ride. We can go and walk across the street to do what needs to be done. And other times, maybe we don't have that ability, but we can give to help meet the need. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. This is a continuation of what Paul is saying here. He says, and to God, and God to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's one of the reasons that I love our church so much. As I think about the people of our church, I think about the people that call this church home I am so thankful that you are a generous people. Even in the midst of a global pandemic, even in the midst of some of you who have lost jobs, you've shared that. I'm I'm out of work. I haven't yet received unemployment. I haven't yet received a stimulus check. You have continued to give faithfully because of the discipline of giving, the command of Scripture and what you believe is worship unto God. And so you give out of what you have. Maybe the amount has changed, but the discipline hasn't changed. The process of continuing to be generous hasn't changed because it's the generosity of your heart. And I know when we read through these, it says you will be enriched in every way. I mean, that's something we could hold to and go, yes, God, enrich me in every way. But why would he enrich us? So that we can be generous on every occasion. There's something about provision and meeting the needs of people that resonates with the heart of our people here at Generations Church. I told you uh, four or five weeks ago that we had a goal of raising 4,000 pounds of food, and you exceeded that goal. Even in the midst of all that's taking place, you exceeded that goal over 4,000 pounds in the midst of what's going on. This coming Wednesday, as you've given, it allows us to be able to bless the families of our church, and so our G-Kids ministry is going to provide uh, these family activity kits families. And so you can come to the church between four and six on Wednesday and and receive a free family activities kit with just some things that we want to give to you so that you and your kids and you and your family can have some fun together. And, and, And when you give Generations Church, when you give online or you mail a check into the church, however you choose to give, you're helping to provide these types of things to be done. We've been able to give to local missions partners during this process. We have continued to faithfully give to our missions partners around the world. It's not a season for us to back up. We're looking at how we can expand our reach, how we can expand ministry, what we can do to grow our missions efforts locally and globally. We're dreaming up new ways to meet needs here in our local community and around the world because of your generosity. You are a generous and faithful people. You have been enriched so that you can be generous in all things and all occasions for the sake of other people. When you give, you help us to give to meet needs. And so I just want to thank you for that. But I want, to, I want to challenge you today. Maybe there's something you hold in your hands. Maybe there's some experiences you have. Maybe you just need to open your eyes to the needs that are right before you. Or maybe you need to begin to give to increase our ability as a church to meet more needs around us. But I believe God is challenging all of us. He's calling all of us not to view this as God helps those who help themselves, but that God desires for us to help other people. And we draw that example from him. Look at this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We draw a heart to serve from the heart of the Father who sent his Son, Jesus, to come and to live and to eventually go to a cross to pay the price for us. He came to serve. That service led him to the cross to pay the price for us and for others. So what should we do in response? We should serve. We should love. We should help. We should give. We should give of ourselves for the sake 
of other people. You know, over the last few weeks, we've, we've done some different things as a family. We've gone on a bunch of walks. We've gone out in the neighborhood and we've played. We've, we've found some secluded parts of parks that we could go and spend some time together. But we found some trails behind our house. There was just some, some little trails that were kind of wandering along a creek that was near our house. And eventually you could make your way all the way out to Lake Alatoona. And so some of the boys, they've been riding their bikes on those trails. And Corey and I have walked those trails with Kinley and, and some of our kids. And so it's been a lot of fun. But I, I've realized in the imagery of what kind of has been before me that there is a difference in rivers and reservoirs. There's a difference in places where water collects and doesn't move and a water that continues to move freely. It's beautiful when water is moving through this creek or through these rivers. And then there's something different. It begins to get ugly and and nasty in these places where water is just collecting and there's no way out for it. As I was thinking about today, I recognize that all of us have a choice. Do we want to be the kind of people where we just try to collect things for ourselves? We just ask for God's help for us alone and we collect it and we gather it and we pull it in close to us. And maybe for a short season, there might not be anything wrong with that. But if we're not careful, we turn into that ugly, nasty place where there's no out. There's no funneling. There's no giving. There's no continuing in the process. Or do we want to be the kind of free flowing, moving river of God? We are a conduit of God's blessing. Not that we're asking God to bless us so that we can store it up for ourselves, but so that we are an open vessel that God would entrust to us so that we can give it away to others. We are comforted so that we can comfort others. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. If I was to sum it all up, I would sum it up this way. We're not asking God to help us because we help ourselves. We are asking God to help us to help others. I think for all of us today, we need to open our eyes and look to the needs that exist around us, open our hands, look to our experiences and our story, and to give of ourselves for the sake of other people. I believe that's what God is asking us to do. So right where you're at today, I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody's looking around wherever you're at, unless you're driving, and if you are, keep your eyes open. But everybody else, I just want you to close your eyes right where you're at. And let's take a moment of just personal reflection, just a moment between you and God And if you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I know my first step, my best step is to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've not received the help from God that he's provided to me. I've not accepted the free gift of salvation that's available to me. And I can't really be a blessing for God to others because I haven't received the blessings of God for myself. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. If that's you right now, I encourage you, just lift your hand right where you're at. If you're, you're watching on Facebook, you're watching on our website, just click that button or maybe sit, send there in the chat and just say, hey, I'm accepting Christ today as my Lord and Savior so that we can follow up with you. We can give you some resources if you need it. If you need a Bible, we can send you one. Just to acknowledge, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior today. We believe that God will help you right now. Maybe you would say to me, hey, it's not about salvation. I, I want to help others. I want to make sure that I'm the kind of person who is, is blessing other people. And so I want to I use what God's placed into my hands. I want to release it and watch it become supernatural and exceed my own abilities. I want to use my experiences. I want to use not just my skills, but my stories. I want to open my eyes and see the needs of those around me. And I want to be a generous person, continually giving and looking for those who I can bless with what God has blessed me with. I want to be a conduit of God's blessing to others. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Maybe you just type that in the chat. God, help me to be a helper. Help me to help others. 
I believe that God will do that today. God, we thank you for all that you've done today. I thank you for our time of worship. I thank you, God, for those who are watching from a number of different places, not just those here locally, but those who may be watching from all around the country, maybe even other places in the world. God, I ask you now to acknowledge those who have lifted their hand digitally or literally, God, to say, I need to accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. God, we believe that as soon as they acknowledge that, you acknowledge them, you respond to them, you forgive their sins, and you do become their Lord. God, we thank you that you do that. I can't save them, but you can. And so, God, I thank you today. We celebrate with heaven for those who have made that decision. God, I pray for those who are saying, hey, I just want to help people. I'm not asking God to help me because I help myself. I'm asking God to help me so that I can help others. God, I pray that they would see what's in their hand and they would recognize that while it seems natural to them, when they release it to you, God, you make it supernatural. They have a story to tell. God, when they open their eyes, you'll bring the needs before them. And God, they can give out of a heart of generosity to model what you've modeled for us. And so God, we thank you for that. I pray that you would let this season be a season that our heart is awakened to needs and we look to meet those needs in greater ways than we ever have before. God, we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.